0: We are going to be talking about uh, the necessity of God's favor today, and uh, we're just going to be talking about the reality that if you want power in your own life and uh, power in your ministry or work, then uh, you need to be desperate in your life for more of God's favor upon you. We uh, well three weeks ago we did a message on uh, desiring God's favor, and we talked about how. Uh, That we just can't keep living life without the favor of God resting powerfully on us. And uh, so we just want to continue that uh, theme today. And many of us have sort of felt that this was uh, God's word or his prophetic word for our church this year. That that, uh, corporately and individually we need to pay extra attention to really seeking after God's favor in our lives. And I believe uh, that as we do that he wants to pour out more blessing upon us. And so... Let's jump in with a bit of a definition here, talking about divine favor. Uh, it's basically acts of kindness from God beyond what is usual. It is God pouring out extraordinary grace and blessing on and through someone. And I hope that you read that and go, yep, I want that. I, w- I want more of that in my life. I want more of that in our church. I want more of that in our community. God, we want more of your Favor, And this has got to be something that is is crying out from your heart. We looked at a visual picture of uh, what divine favor looks like from Jeremiah 17. God says, my blessing is on those people who trust in me, who put their confidence in me. They will be like a tree planted near a stream whose roots spread out towards the water. It is nothing to fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no need to be concerned. In a year of drought, it does not stop bearing fruit. And so you could maybe picture a tree in a, in a drought condition in a desert and the tree is still green. It's still bearing fruit. And God is saying, this is what your life can be like. When my favor is falling on you, when when you really are putting your confidence in me, your trust in me that this This is what your life can be like, and this is not just for some people. That this here is actually God's will and desire for your life. That as we go through life and we go through droughts, because life's not easy. I mean, Jesus said, "In this world, you will have trouble." God doesn't always keep us from droughts or trouble, but He does promise that if you put your confidence in Him and you continually look to Him, you can be a tree. In the desert, that is still bearing fruit. I mean, your other option is to not trust in God, to not put your confidence in Him, to put your confidence in yourself or into your hobbies or just to do everything to kind of look to something else other than God, and the opposite will happen. Uh, You can be a, a dead tree in the desert, right? Because when the drought comes, It sucks the water out of a tree, it stops bearing fruit, and it slowly begins to die. Unless these roots go down deep into the water, that's when a tree keeps, stays green and continues to bear fruit. And this is a picture of someone who is not walking in the favor of God, who is walking through this drought condition, and and they just, they have no life. And so you can look at uh, these two pictures here. There we go. I mean, if you look at these two pictures, I mean, what picture describes your life today? I mean, you maybe just think about your week. Maybe you are going through a, a, a rainy period and then everything's green, but maybe you're going through a drought. I mean, what, what, what picture describes your soul or your life this week? Has it been a life where you've been bearing fruit even though there's trouble around you where people look at you and they still see life in you or you feel that you're wilting? that you're, you're drying out, that you're wondering where in the world is God, and, and you just feel, feel bored and dry and depressed. and I mean, what picture looks like you? And I'll remind you again that God's will for you is to be the top picture. And sometimes people say, well, you know, this is just God's will for me to be t- depressed and miserable and, and bummed out and have no life, and this is what God, no, no, he doesn't. Even during difficult times, God wants you to be someone who has his favor on his life, who's being blessed, who still has the fruit pouring out. This is God's desire for you to be walking in the extreme favor of God. Now, all of you who trust Jesus, who are a Christian, uh, automatically have a huge pile of God's favor. I mean, just by being a Christian, God pours out incredible favor on your life. Ephesians 2 says, God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even though we were dead in transgressions, and that that dead in transgressions is a picture of someone who has no favor of God in their life. They're wilted, they're dry, they don't have a relationship with God, they feel, they don't know who God is, and, and, and they're just caught and they feel guilt and they're full of shame and and they don't know what purpose and they're dead in their transgressions but christ god made us alive together with christ by grace you are saved when you are saved when you become a follower of jesus all of a sudden the floodgates of favor are opened up and god pours out tremendous favor on your life simply because you are a christian It goes on and says, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That we are living in the surpassing wealth, the wealth of his grace. And as we talked about the word grace, the Greek word charis also can be translated favor. Right, We are living in a time of surpassing surpass, wealth of his favor when you're a Christian. Uh, Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, he uh, was preaching in a synagogue, and it says he unrolled the scroll from Isaiah, and he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and the reigning of Sight, uh, regaining, sorry, of sight to the blind to set free those who were oppressed. And then he says this to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that year was not just one year, it, it's a season, it's the whole period that we are living in now when Christ would pour out his Holy Spirit upon us that we are living in the season of favor. But some of you simply need to realize how much favor you already have as a Christian. And sometimes Christians walk around kind of dry and crusty and bored and tired and, you know, ugh, life sucks. And, and it's like, and you got to realize what favor you have. Okay, God has granted you tremendous favor. In fact, I love this verse uh, in Philemon. Paul is praying for Philemon and he says this to him. Deepen your understanding of every blessing that belongs to you in Christ. That this is something that we must do. Continually deepen our understanding of every blessing that belongs to us in Christ. That you are far more blessed than you realized. That God has far more favor for you than you realize. And sometimes you just need to open your eyes, pick up the word and take it seriously. And you begin to see, wow, man, I, I do have a lot of favor in my life already. Or in Hebrews four, six, it says, let us confidently approach the throne of grace, or it could be translated favor to receive mercy and find favor or grace whenever we need help. This is after you become a Christian. If you need more favor, if you need more grace, God says, just come to me. Come to me and I will give you mercy and grace and favor whenever you come. And this is what we need to realize. Is that God has so much more favor and grace and blessing for us. The problem is sometimes Christians, they, they become a Christian. They're like, I'm a child of God. I, I'm a son of God. I, I got the Holy Spirit in me. I'm empowered by the Spirit. I got the fruits of the Spirit. This is awesome. And they, they eat up their salvation, and that's the only meal they ever take. God has plates of favor you and me every single day that we need to be, keep coming to God and say, God, I want more. I want everything that you have for me. I want to grow in your favor so that I might be empowered for life, empowered for ministry, empowered to, to build the kingdom for Jesus. Jesus himself, in Luke 2, it says, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. When he was a baby, the favor of God was upon him. But then it goes on and says this, a few verses later, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. That you and I, like Jesus, can increase in the favor of God. I mean, after you're a Christian, you don't just get all the favor that you're ever going to get. We become a Christian and God pours out so much favor and blessing on us, but he's saying this is the beginning. Just keep going. There is more favor. There's more grace. Seek him. Run after him. Chase after God. Now, some people respond to this whole prospect that we're talking about, this the favor we receive when we become a Christian, the storerooms of favor that he has available for us. And some people say, you know what? I want as much as I can get. I want as much of God as I can get. I'm going to take every opportunity, anything that comes up. I just want to seek God. I want as much uh, from God for me that I might be powered in life and ministry as he has for me. And so Paul is one of those examples. In Philippians 3, he says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I want to know Christ. Didn't he already know Christ? So I want to know him more, right? And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Didn't he already experience it? Yes, be seen. I want more. And then he says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. He's just saying, whatever it takes. If it means suffering, if it means glory, whatever it takes. God, I just want more of you in my life because I realize how much I need you. Not just when I'm saved, but every single day. Day that he realizes that we can go deeper in Christ, we can experience Christ in deeper ways, that there is more favor and blessing that God has for us. And you know what? He began to walk in that, and God used him powerfully. I mean, he planted so many churches all over Asia Minor and in different places. He probably brought thousands of people to Christ. God used them to heal people. In fact, there was so much favor on Paul that there are some weird verses in the Bible that freak some people out, but still in the Bible. I mean, there's, there's one verse in Acts that says this. It says, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. I mean, if Paul just happened to touch an apron or a handkerchief, they would take that away and and go place it on someone who was sick or who was demon-possessed, and they would be healed, or the spirits would be expelled. What kind of favor was resting on Paul for that to happen? Tremendous favor because he was a seeker of God's favor. He was one who was willing to do anything just to get more of God, to be deeper in God. And God says, because you're coming, I'm going to pour out more favor on you to the point where these kind of things were happening. I mean, imagine if you went to a restaurant and you ate and the waitress came by to clean your plate off and she grabbed your napkin and all of a sudden she found she was healed. Or you at work shook someone's hand and they're like, whoa, I mean, there's, there's... You know, something different about you, that that we can go deeper in the favor of God. I mean, there is nothing in the Bible that says this can't still happen today, that people can't go to this level of favor in, in, in God. So some people like Paul respond to this and say, whatever it takes, I want more, God. I just want to worship you, I want to serve you, I want to love you. God, would you use me? Whatever it takes, I want to go deeper, God. And they, they trust in God. They put their confidence in him at all times, and they become this tree that is green and bearing fruit. But others respond and say, nah, I don't know. I'm pretty happy with my God at salvation. I, I'm glad that my guilt is washed away and my shame is washed away and my sins are washed away. And I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. I'm glad that I got heaven to look forward to. But, uh, you know, I got a lot of other things to do as well, God. You know, I got sports and hobbies and, you know, we could whatever we could say. But and God just becomes lower on the priority. And if you're like that, I mean, you're just going to get bored as a Christian. And one thing I see is a lot of bored Christians. Because they're not living like Paul. They're living like a bored Christian. You know, I tried praying once. I tried reading the Bible once and nothing happened. It was kind of boring. Church is boring. Christianity is boring. I have more fun doing this or that. And, and, and the favor of God is just they're just beginning to dry up and their soul is getting crusty. And, and they, want, they just wonder, well, God, how come I never see you do anything? I never see answered prayer. I never see a healing. I never see, God, you do anything awesome. I don't really even sense you. And they're just bored. And that happens for a lot of people, sadly. But you know, that's not God's will for you. And if you need to hear it, I'll, I'll tell you, Christianity's not boring. And if you think Jesus is boring, that you need to re-look into his eyes and see who he is. I mean, we are talking about the God of the universe who loves you more than you could ever imagine. Who's saying, I want to pour out favor on you. I mean, how can respond say, uh, mm, uh, yeah, I'm bored. I mean, maybe you're bored because you're like, you know, I tried this once, you know, I really prayed, I really read my Bible, I was worshiping with all my heart, but nothing seemed to change. And, you know, sometimes God allows that to happen in your life. And one of the reasons is, and I'm beginning to realize this more in my life, is that that God wants to teach us what it means to be desperate. He wants to teach us what it means to seek him in the hard times, because, you know, when we seek him, often it's in the hard times. So that when he pours out his favor on our life and things begin to blossom, that we keep seeking him. You know what happens to so many people? And I see it even in this church sometimes. People come to know Jesus. They're like, whoa, Jesus, this is awesome. And then they come for a few months and then they get bored. Because they're not going deeper. Because they're not walking this life where we need to be continually desperate. And God blesses desperate people. Whether they're in the desert or in the, the best time of their life, there is no excuse for us not to be seeking after God with our whole heart. And another thing that can happen is people begin to put their experience ahead of the Bible. In other words, they get their theology from their experience, not scriptures. And so maybe they're going through a time in their life where their Christianity does seem boring. I haven't seen God do a miracle lately in life. He hasn't answered prayer. I haven't seen healing. I haven't, you know, seen God even save someone lately. I guess that's what Christianity is like. And all of a sudden, their theology becomes God doesn't do anything. Don't get your theology from your experience. You get it from this, by the way, and this book says. (laughs) God is amazing, and he is powerful, and he still wants to pour out his grace and favor. You seek what the Bible says, not what your experience says, and if you continually seek what the Bible says, God will open your eyes, and you'll begin to see it. Do not ever put your experience ahead of this book. Don't ever use your experience to create your theology. It must come out of here, okay? We need to be like Paul. Now, when you see God's favor begin to be revealed in your life, also often it'll come in these five areas. And you see all five in the Bible. Number one, you will have a deeper sense of the living presence of God. I mean, you'll just sense that God is with you. You'll just say, you know, I really feel that God is with me. And it, it, it's just, it's just kind of weird. I just, I just know, I feel it. You experience, I mean, truth, this word of God, is not just for the head. Jesus said, I want you to, experience it. I mean, it's something you should experience. The more you grow in your favor, the more you will just have the sense of the living presence of God in you. Secondly, you will be a real benefit in the lives of others. You will be a blessing, not a suck, right? Where you're sucking the life from everybody else. You also come to a place where you're able to bless others and you're able to serve others and you're able to help others grow. Uh, Number three, you will have greater influence upon those around you. All of a sudden, people will start paying more attention to you. Can you pray for me? What would you do in this situation? What's your understanding of this? Okay. And number four, you will find personal refreshing in life. That's the tree that, that is bearing fruit. And number five, your efforts will see more blessings. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through hardships. Doesn't mean you're not going to get sick or not suffer. But it means that there just seems to be more blessing in your life. That you're like, man, that, was, that happened really easy. That God just opened those doors, you know. But you just sense more of that. And this is what happens when you stop being bored with your Christianity and start actually seeking the God of this book and believing what he says. Okay? Now, I just want to boil these down to two points as we uh, finish up here. First is, the more you seek God, the more you take your faith seriously, the more you allow the gospel of Christ to permeate you in every part of life, the more your favor is going to grow and the more power and life you will have from within. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. Just as the scripture says, from within him will flow rivers of living water. Now, let me ask you today as you sit here. Do you sense streams of living water flowing from your soul? How are you doing this week? Do you sense streams of living water flowing from your soul? you say, sort of, or not really? Let me tell you, God is more for you. God is more for you. Do not be satisfied with, I got a dribble, okay? (laughs) God says, I want you to flow like living water. There is more. Where do you get more favor? You remember Hebrews? Let us confidently go to the throne where we find grace and mercy, we find favor, we we find more of God. You just keep coming to God. Okay? Or we could look at the fruits of the Spirit. I mean, you look at your life this week. Do you feel love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness? Do you feel those flowing out of your life? Or maybe I could ask your family members, do do they see that in you? And if they'd be like, um, can you ask another question? (laughs) I mean, let me tell you, God has more for you. Don't be satisfied with where you are at. Don't think this is all that Christianity is. And so, some people who are bored Christians who are off doing everything else other than worshiping Jesus kind of get bored of their Christianity and they think this is all there is. Again, they put their experience as their theology rather than the Bible as their theology. God has more for you. I mean, when Jesus says, I've come to set you free. Do you feel free? Do you feel free? If you don't feel fully free, God has more for you. Okay? The more you walk, the more you seek, the more you love, the more you look to him, the more favor will grow in your life and the more power you will have. Psalm 31 says, How great is your favor which you store up for your loyal followers? Now this is God's word to you. How great is your favor, which you have stored up for your loyal fathers. And re- just picture these storerooms, that the psalmist is saying. God has these storerooms in heaven full of favor waiting for you. And he's just saying, come get it. Come get it. Come to the throne. Come to the throne. Come get it. And you will experience greater power from within. Secondly, you will experience greater power and influence on the outside. We often see this combination in the Bible. 1 Samuel 2, the boy of Sam, uh, Samuel was growing up and finding favor both with the Lord and with people. We see that with Jesus who grew in the favor with God and with man. Various times in the Bible you see when it talks about favor, it talks about growing in not only God but man. The more favor God pours out on you, the more favor you'll have with people, the more influence you have with people. Sometimes you'll actually gain more enemies too, but you'll, you'll have more influence. Uh, Rich Houston said, favor is is the aligning of his blessings and grace on us that brings a supernatural influence into our lives and those around us. I love this verse in uh, Exodus. Uh, Moses is moving the Israelites towards the promised land and having a uh, talk with God, and he says, if your presence does not go with us, do not take us up from here. How will it be known then that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we will be distinguished? I and your people from all the people who are on the face of the earth. I mean, what distinguishes us? It's, it's the presence of God. But the reality is, is that a lot of Christians don't look any different. You can't sometimes distinguish a Christ follower from sometimes of this world because they're bored Christians. I mean, the more favor you have, the more of God's presence you will carry, if you will. And more people will actually recognize it. And we see this in the early church. With Acts chapter four, it says, with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace, the word charis or favor, was on them all just a little bit great grace great favor was on this church and this church had a tremendous impact a lot of enemies too as your favor grows you will have more influence and sometimes more enemies and then we see in Acts chapter 2 it says praising God and having favor with all the people I mean if we as a church want to have more favor in this community it comes right back to each and every one of us walking in a deeper relationship with Jesus so that we might have more favor because the church is made up of all of us together. That's the church, and then we and our church will have more influence in this community, okay? And it says the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. God is just bringing people in because God loves to bring people in where, where people are desperate for him, where people are seeking him. He doesn't like to bring people into a group of bored Christians, right? One of my favorite uh revival stories is from Charles Finney It's from the uh, early uh, mid-1800s, but he uh, one night preached in this little schoolhouse in uh, in New York State, and the following morning, he was going to go tour this factory, and I'll, I'll read it right from his biography. He says, the next morning after breakfast, I went into the factory to look through it. It was a cotton factory. As I went through the factory, I observed that there was a good deal of agitation among those that were busy at their looms and their mules, because mule-powered stuff back in those days, and other implements of work. On passing through one of the apartments where a great number, it's it's a room, this is old English here, where a great number of young women were attending to their spinning or weaving, I observed a couple of them eyeing me and speaking very earnestly to each other, and I could see that they were a good deal agitated, although they both laughed. I went slowly towards them. They saw me coming and were evidently more much excited. The thread of one of the machines broke, and I observed that the girl's hands trembled so that she could not mend it. I approached slowly, looking on each side of the machinery as I passed, but observed that this girl grew more and more agitated and could not proceed with her work. When I came within eight or ten feet of her, I looked solemnly at her. She observed it. And was quite overcome and sunk down and burst into tears. That impression caught almost like powder. This gunpowder. Just this, this thing went through the factory. And in a few moments, nearly all in the room were in tears. This feeling spread through the factory. Okay? He didn't even say a word. He just walks into this factory. The favor of God is so powerfully on him, like one of those Paul episodes. I mean, started breaking down in tears, and everybody started breaking down in tears. And then, uh, tell the factory owner, Mr. Wolcott, uh, the owner of the establishment, was present. And seeing the state of things, he said to the superintendent, Stop the mill, and let the people attend to religion. For it's more important that our souls be saved than this factory run. And it says, The gate was immediately shut down. That's the factory. And the factory stopped. But where would we assemble? superintendent suggested that the mule room was large and the mules being rung up, we could assemble there. So uh, we did so. And a more powerful meeting I scarcely ever saw. It went on with great power. The building was large and had a great many people in it from the, the garret, that's the attic, to the cellar. The revival went through the mill with astonishing power and in the course of a few days, nearly all in the mill were converted. And it just started with him Walk into this factory and all of a sudden the power of God starts working on people and hearts. And in a few days, like pretty much everyone in the factory is a Christian. God still can do those kind of things today. I mean, this isn't boring, okay? <laughs> this is not. And God has more of this for you. I mean, you can continue to grow in, in favor where all of a sudden you can start having more of effect in your workplace. You think I've never had it? I've been in my workplace for ten years, and nothing's ever happened. I mean, are you really seeking God's favor for your workplace? Maybe people just start noticing something more different that you're bearing this fruit in a drought, or the streams of living water, or they just say, "You know, I want to know what's going on." I mean, this can happen, and still happens today. I love this prayer, and I think it needs to be one of our prayers for this year. Psalm sixty-seven. The psalmist says, may God show us his favor and bless us. May he smile on us. Then those living on the earth will know what you are like. You get that? When will all those living on the earth know what you are like? When he shows favor on us. is what he says. Let me read that again. May God show us his favor and bless us. May he smile on us. Nothing wrong with praying that. I mean, some people, you shouldn't pray that God would bless you. No, it's in the Bible. You're here to pray that. Then. Then, then those living on the earth will know what you are like. All nations will know how you deliver your people. Then he goes on again in verse 6. May God, our God bless us. May God bless us. Then, then, then all the ends of the earth will give him the honor he deserves. It goes back to the powerful presence of God resting on us. I mean, do you sense God's favor in your life? Do you want to grow in God's favor? I mean, I, I certainly do, and I hope that we as a church do because, man, I, I want people to know Jesus. And we have little power or no power if we're not moving out in the presence of God. As, as, as Zachariah said, it's not by power, it's not by might, it's by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. All right, we're pretty much done here. Let me just give you a couple verses. What do we do? You want to seek his favor. And if the whole time this has made you uncomfortable because I don't know if I should be doing that. You should be doing because it's commanded. Okay? Zephaniah, seek the Lord's favor. God is saying this to you. Seek the Lord's favor. I have so much more for you. All you humble people of the land who have obeyed his commands, strive to do what is right. Strive to be humble. And then Psalm 119, I seek your favor with all my heart. That's the picture of what we need to strive for. God, I seek your favor with all my heart. That'll help you tap into those storerooms that God has for you, okay? Seek his favor with all his heart. And just to kind of pound in the nail of what Abby said the last couple weeks, he says, my hand made them, that's us, this is how they came to be, says the Lord. And then he says this I show special favor to the humble and contrite. We talked about those a few weeks ago. And then he says this Who respect what I have to say? Remember what Abby was talking about? We need to take seriously this book. Okay? This book is where our theology comes to be. Take this, I mean, take your relationship with God seriously. Gaze once again into the eyes of Jesus who is so amazing and let your heart be recaptivated by his grace and his love and his mercy and may that spill out to a heart that says, God, I love that and I want more. And you just keep running after God. That's what we need to do. Okay? And I'm for that, so let's pray. Uh, God, we, we just want more of your favor. God, we hear your word. And we take your word seriously when it says that you have storerooms of favor available to us. God, we take your word seriously when you say to seek your favor. And God, we do. God, I pray that those things in our lives that are blocking us to seeking you more, God, would crumble away. God, that your grace and your uh, blessing, your heart for us, God, would so captivate us that those idols, those other things that busy us and keep us, God, from drawing near to you and gaining more favor, God, would be washed away. God, I pray for each one in this room that you would give us, you would give all of us, God, a heart to run after you. God, that those in this room who are feeling dry, who are feeling crusty, who are feeling bored of Christianity, God, that you would grab hold of them and say, this is not the way it's meant to be. There's more. And God, I pray for those who are bearing fruit, who are green, who feel your life pouring through them. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you would not let them not be desperate, that you would continue, God, to help them to seek you in their time of favor, that, God, they would not take for granted the blessings that you have been pouring out. And God, as we finish this service with the baptism, God, I pray you would help us to celebrate new life, And God, a life of faithfulness in you. And God, we pray for your blessing over Amy. God, that you might increase favor in her life as she grows. And you'd walk with her in Jesus' name.